Exterior, Roth household, evening. Clark holds the door open for Emma as she gets into the police car. Clark climbs into the driver's seat and drive off, drives off as Vincent Roth watches on from the darkness. Interior, Roth household, evening. Roth pours himself a drink of cheap whiskey and downs it in one. He pours himself another glass. He walks into the living room and sits on the armchair nearest the television. The widower looks uneasy and takes a while to get comfortable, as though he can tell someone other than himself had sat on it. Vincent is the only one who sits on Vincent's chair. He takes the remote. He takes it. He takes the remote, which is sitting on the arm of the chair, and turns on the TV. Captain <clears throat> Riley appears on on the screen, looking very nervous and clearly in the middle of a press conference. The caption, Tracy Roth found dead, appears below her on the screen. A reporter speaks over her in the background. Several journalists are questioning the new police captain. Surprising development. Early today, Captain Iona Riley answers questions on the murder and the police investigation. Captain, what can you tell us about Tracy Roth's death? Uh, obviously, we can't reveal all details of the investigation, but I can assure you we're doing all we can to find Tracy's killer and bring him to justice. Captain, has your department made any arrests? <laughs> we, are we are working around the clock to try and find Casey Tracy Roth's killer as soon as possible. Captain, how soon will it be before your department catches this guy? Taking into account you had 10 years before now to find him. Like I said, we are working around the clock. <laughs> Captain, what would you say to <laughs> you could speak to him right now? <laughs> I would apologize for being too late. I would also urge them to put their faith in the fact some of our finest detectives are working around the clock. Fuck off. <laughs> mm. Roth turns off the TV and tosses the remote across the room. He downs the rest of his whiskey before going to a cabinet and pulling out a phone book. He sits at the dining table and begins to look through it. Interior, cop car, evening. Clark's car pulls up outside a contemporary-looking Irish pub. The logo on the building's exterior was also on Emma's waitressing uniform. Well, thanks for the ride. No problem. Emma opens the door to leave the car. She goes to take a step out, but stops herself. She climbs back inside. You hungry? Sorry? I said, are you hungry? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I've got a pizza at home, though, uh, so I'll be okay. Or you could come in here, grab something with me? Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. Come on, detective. I'm not asking you out on a date or anything. I just don't want to eat alone. I don't know, Miss Roth. It's, it's unprofessional. Emma gets out of the car. I'll save you a seat. Emma slams the door of the car shut and walks towards the bar. Clark sighs and shuts off the engine. Interior, Irish pub, night. Emma and Clark are sitting at a small booth for two people, empty plates in front of them. Clark is drinking water while Emma sits with a bottle of red wine at her side. Irish music plays in the background, such as the Pogues, Christy Moore and the Dropkick Murphys. The pub is crowded with a lot of drunk men and women, but the atmosphere is not intimidating. Everyone seems to be having a great time. 
And then my dad came home from work and dragged him out onto the street. The guy's still completely naked. That was a fun day. She laughs while putting more wine into her glass. To tell you the truth, I honestly don't think I've ever dated a guy who didn't have the fear of God put in him the first time they saw my dad. From what I've seen, I'm surprised he let you date at all. Yeah, well, he may not have been father of the year, but he wasn't a complete douchebag. <laughs> she downs the rest of her glass. We didn't have a good relationship for a long time. Because of... My mom? Yeah. I think it was more me. I kind of, like, even when he was arrested, I knew he didn't do it. But for years, even after he was cleared, there was always still some doubt there. What if he did do it, you know? I think I kept a distance. Blamed him a bit. She pours the last of her bottle into the glass. Stop me from blaming myself. I mean, I, I don't think... I know. I know I was only young and there was nothing I could have done, but it's like... Survivor's guilt, you know? Why did he take her and not me? Emma swirls her glass as she stares down at the table in a deep, introverted trance. Eventually we grow up, don't we? Time goes by, wounds heal, we start drinking. She laughs, holding up her glass as she does so, making Clark smile slightly. Screw it. <laughs> I think I deserve it after such a shit week. She holds up her glass again. My mom. They click their glasses and Emma downs the rest of her drink. No more for me tonight, I think. So what about you, Mr. Detective? What about me? Tell me about yourself. I know you didn't really want to be here, but you could could at least carry your end of the conversation. Uh, I mean... I mean, I mean... Jesus Christ, is that all you ever say? Clark, brush, Clark blushes, clearly embarrassed <laughs> by Emma's scathing remark. Emma looks at Clark almost sympathetically, not meaning to have made him anxious. Tell me about your family. Who did you live with? Where did you stay? That sort of thing. Um, well, growing up I lived with my mom over in Rice Lake. I don't know if you know it, it's near the center of the city. Yeah, that was before my mom died and I, I moved out. What about your dad? Never knew him. He died when my mom was pregnant. I'm sorry to hear that. It's fine. What happened to him? Went out to a bar with some friends, got into a fight with the wrong guy. I'm sorry, that sucks. It's cool. He was young and stupid. <laughs> Aren't we all? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Silence falls between them momentarily. You know, I used to dream about moving away. Out of the city. Used to. I suppose I still do, but I couldn't leave my dad. All we've got is each other, as sappy as that sounds. I know what you mean. I, I couldn't have left my mom. Now it's different? Yeah, like now Yeah, like now I'll take the first chance I can get to leave. There's nothing for me here. Why don't you just leave? Because I still need a job, and the transfer of the city is almost as impossible to get. You can't get anyone in to take your place. The city sucks, doesn't it? It does. Ah, well, here's to another 21 years in this shit pit. She goes to drink her, her glass before realizing it's empty. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she holds it up to show Clark an exaggerated frown in her face. All gone. I can get you another if you like. 
No, no, it's fine, really, I... Suddenly there is a loud cheering coming from behind them as Irish Rover plays over the sound system. Many people are heading to the dance floor over next to the window of the bar. Oh my god, <laughs> She gets to her feet and pulls Clark off his seat. She drags him over to the floor as Clark protests. Emma begins to dance and Clark eventually loosens up and joins in the dancing as well. Meanwhile, Kramer walks past the window of the bar, guitar case in hand, and sees Clark and Emma dancing inside. He stares at them expressionless as they continue to dance with the crowd before walking on once again. The music ends as we cut to interior Hendrix Avenue pub night. Kramer's band are performing on a small stage in an upmarket bar. A fair gathering of people watch the group from small circular tables that are scattered around the room. The bar is illuminated with purple light. The band are performing Crosby, Stills and Nash's wooden ships. Excluding Kramer, the band's members are all in their mid-twenties. As Kramer continues to play his guitar, he notices Paul Ellis enter the bar. Ellis does not realise that Joe is performing on the stage. Ellis walks over to the bar and takes a seat next to a gentleman wearing a suit. The gentleman <laughs> hands the private investigator a glass of whiskey. After taking a swig, Ellis puts his hand into his pocket. He pulls out a white paper box and hands it to his companion. The gentleman looks inside the box and smiles. He places the box in his own pocket. Shaking Ellis's hand, the young man stands up and walks out of the bar. Ellis lingers at the bar. Kramer's still watching him intensely. The P.I. swirls his drink in his hands. Lost in his own thoughts, Kramer continues to watch his throw with interest. Flashback. A young Kramer and Ellis stand side by side as they graduate from the police academy. Flashback. Kramer and Ellis share a beer with one another, still in uniform and looking thick as thieves. Flashback. Kramer and Ellis, now detectives, stand over a bloody corpse in the middle of an art studio. Flashback. Kramer watches Paul Ellis walk out of the police station, a box of his possessions in hand, and looking furious. Eventually, Ellis stands up, downs his whiskey in one, and walks out of the bar. Kramer watches his old partner leave, a slight look of guilt etched in his face as he continues to play his guitar. Exterior, Roth household night. The marked police car stops outside the Roth house. Emma is drunk in the passenger seat and seems very tired. Thanks for tonight, detective. I needed a chance to clear my head. Someone to talk to. It's my pleasure, Miss Roth. Emma does not leave the car. <laughs> She's saying, sorry, there's a line coming up. I've just remembered of it. I'm sorry. Oh, God. She stays and stares at Eric as though she has something else to say. You're going to catch this guy, aren't you? I'm going to do my best. No, no, I've heard that before. I need more than your best. Please just tell me you'll catch him. Clark stares sadly at the tearful Emma. I'll get him, Miss Roth. Thank you. I just want some. Emma tries to compose herself as she begins to tear up. Whoever took her, whoever. She bites her lip to stop herself from crying. Whoever killed her, well, please just don't let him off easy. Remember that he's evil and he's scum and that he... 
She begins to cry and tears begin to stream down her face. She pulls herself together before getting out of the car. Thanks, Detective. Clark looks on as she walks down the path before starting up the engine. Detective! (laughs) (laughs) Emma is halfway to her house, but walks back to the car and puts her head through the window. (laughs) What's your name? Eric, Miss Roth. (laughs) Eric Clark. (laughs) Eric Clark, hopefully we can do this again sometime. (laughs) <laughs> oh god five, just give me five seconds in the <laughs> she's she smiles at him lustily oh <laughs> She smiles at him, lust clear in her grieving eyes. <laughs> Clark. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this. Uh, Clark does not smile back, instead looking uncomfortable. Bye. <sighs> Good night, detective. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Eric drives away as Emma, lust still clear in her grieving eyes, watches the car go off. <laughs> Emma fades out and the darkness becomes light. Exterior, Roth household morning. Roth walks out of his house and into the car parked in his drive. He clears his seat of any tools that are laying on it. He takes his seat, rubbing his eyes as he does so. He takes a piece of paper from his pocket and looks at it. It reads, 21 to 37 St. Gerald Street, Landlord Roy Brady. Roth puts the paper back into his pocket before turning the key to start up the engine. Interior station, morning. Joseph Kramer walks into the police station, coffee in hand and looking exhausted. He begins to walk down the corridor towards his office when he is hounded by a young blonde and stick-thin lab technician, Spencer Hill. Sir! What is it, Hill? The, the DNA results came back. <laughs> Kramer stops walking. His interest peaked. And? Nothing, sir. We didn't get a match. Kramer stares directly <laughs> into Hill's eyes. You've got to be kidding me. No, sir. It, 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 Let me ask you something, Hill. Do you like your job? Well, yes, sir, of course. That's I, nice. I love... That's nice. So I assume you want to keep it. Oh, yes, sir. Good, good. So let me ask you, Hill. Did you run this test again every database you have access to? You know, as instructed? No. What was that? No, 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 sir. So on what criteria did you conduct your search, Hill? Previous state offender. What? <laughs> Previous state offenders do you consider yourself incompetent ill no sir well i fucking do because only an incompetent arsehole will think the killer is a past offender do you know how long we've been looking for this guy who do you know how long i personally have tried to find this man and failed to get anywhere near him 10 years 
through. Correct! Fantastic! <laughs> he went from being completely clueless to just a fucking twat. Here's my question. <laughs> Go back and run that DNA against every fucking single database you have. And if I was you, I'd do it quickly. Right away, sir. Hill goes to walk back down the corridor towards the lab. Oh, and Hill. Hill stops and turns back, taking a few paces back towards Kramer. I want the results by this afternoon. Clock's ticking. <laughs> Hill looks on stunned as Kramer turns away and continues the journey to his office. <clears throat> Young people. Young people. <laughs> Exterior blind breath. Exterior Brown Flats morning. Roth stares up at the Brown Flats on St. Gerald Street, double-checking his piece of paper to make sure he's in the right place. Interior Brown Flats morning. Roth stares up at the Brown... Oh, wait a minute. Interior Brown Flats morning. Roth knocks on an apartment door. He hears footsteps as a man approaches. The door is unlocked and Roy Brady, a balding and well-built but, but, yeah, and well -built but compact man in his 40s, opens the door partially. Hey, uh, what, what do you want? Do you own this building? <laughs> yeah. Can we talk? <laughs> About what? Tracy Roth. Tracy Roth? <laughs> that chick's... Wait, the chick's been in the news? Uh-huh. She's my wife. The landlord goes silent before sighing. He closes the door and off to unlock the chain. Opening the door, we see his dress only in his underwear and a dressing gown. I don't know how I can help you, but come inside. Brady walks into his kitchen. Roth hesitates slightly before following. <laughs> Interior, Brady's apartment morning. Roth is sitting on a couch in Brady's living room. The landlord enters carrying two cups of coffee, one of which he hands to the mechanic. Thanks. The landlord remains standing. So, uh, what can I do for you, Mr. Roth? Roth takes a sip. Of his coffee before answering. I'm going to be straight with you. I think one of your tenants killed my wife. The landlord looks quite dumbfounded by this statement. He lets out a nervous laugh. <coughs> and Mr. Roth, I assume. Roth nods. Well, uh, Mr. Roth, that's quite the accusation. Uh, what makes you think that? A witness I tracked down told me he's seen a man carrying my wife into your building on the day she was taken. A witness told you? I thought this was a police investigation, Mr. Roth. The police have been investigating this for the last ten years and found nothing. The landlord sighs and rubs the top of his bald head. <laughs> Look, uh, Mr. Roth, I wish I could help you. I, I really do. But I've owned this building for over 15 years, and, and I think I would notice if something like this went down. You're absolutely sure? No tenants ever struck you as strange? <laughs> In this city? <laughs> of course. But not any that would strike me as a killer. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. It's fine. I'm going to need some to see some records, though. Excuse me? Your records. Surely you keep records of your tenants. I, I do indeed, Mr. Roth, but unfortunately that is private and, and confidential information. I don't care how private it is. I need a list of names. 
I'm sorry, my, 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 my answer is no. Are you sure? If there is one thing I offer my tenants, it is privacy. I have policemen living in this building. If, if they if they found out I was giving out their details to any Tom, Dick, or Harry that came and asked for them, I'd be in serious trouble. <laughs> I am sorry, Mr. Roth. I hope they catch who killed your wife. But my answer is no. Roy Brady motions towards the door, indicating Roth has outstayed his welcome. Roth gets up from his chair and heads towards the exit, seemingly leaving. Instead, after a moment's pause, he shuts the door to the room with a click. Uh, Mr. Roth? Are you sure? Cut to interior Roth household noon. Emma Roth is lying asleep in bed when her phone begins to ring. The young woman stirs and gets to her feet, looking dishevelled and hungover. Having walked into the living room, she moans before answering the phone. Miss mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Roth? Who's asking? Um, Captain Ramsay, I worked on your mother's case. I've answered all your questions. What's this about? Unfortunately, Miss Roth, it's about your father. Cut to interior station, noon. Roth is being escorted into the police station by two officers. Captain Ramsey is standing at the entrance. As Roth passes, Kramer comes into the foyer. He stands next to Iona, looking confused. What happened? Mrs. Brady came home from her night shift to find Mr. Roth beating her husband inside their apartment. Kramer looks to the other side of the room where Roy Brady stands, looking badly beaten next to his wife, a small but vivacious woman with cropped hair. Kramer's tone becomes more serious. Do we know why? Apparently, he thought the Bradys were linked to the investigation in some way, but we have no evidence to support that. I knew this was going to happen. Have you called his daughter? (laughs) He'll be on her way in soon. Good. As soon as she gets here, the next time I have to convince myself to beat some sense into that grease monkey. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. (laughs) <laughs> they begin to walk down the corridor to their left. Anything from the security types? Fuck off! <sighs> Let's hope Clark gets something then. <clears throat> Where is Clark, by the way? I haven't seen him this morning. Last I heard, he was going back to that store. To talk to the shelf stacker? Yeah. <laughs> I told you both it was a dead end. Maybe, but it's worth checking out. It's not. I almost forgot how stubborn you were. He needs to learn his place, to follow my lead, like you did. Iona throws Kramer a harsh stare. And what is that supposed to mean? Oh no, he's back. (laughs) Uh, Before Kramer can respond, Spencer Hill comes rushing towards them. Detective Kramer! Oh, it's very good, you (laughs) It's very good, you! I found the map! He hands Kramer a printed sheet of paper. Both the detective and the captain look at it, their eyes wide with surprise. I'll get a warrant and call Clark. You go. Get a team together and get round there as soon as you can. Cut to interior store noon. Oh, she's back again. Uh, Interior (laughs) store noon. Clark walks into the store. 
the manager who was previously talking to one of our employees at the entrance to the nearest aisle rushes over to greet him. A large fake grin once again plastered on her face. Hello, detective. Great to see you again. I suppose you want to see Matthew. Without waiting for Clark to answer her, the manager begins walking away and motioning for the young man to follow her. She walks, using her arms as much as possible, as though she is marching in a parade. The two head up the first aisle together. Sleep well, detective. Yes, thank you very much. I've always felt sleep is essential to optimum productivity. I try my best to promote it amongst my employees, yet some would prefer to go out partying. Despicable, isn't it? I guess. Oh, to be young, I suppose, but still. They turn into an aisle further down the shop, where Matthew Church, a very pale man with a long nose and jet black greasy hair, Kneels on one leg, sacking a shelf with cans of tuna. Matthew! Church appears startled and scurries quickly up to his feet. This is Detective Clark, the man I was telling you about. Church wipes his hands against his turquoise penny savers t-shirt before offering it to Clark. Clark shakes it before looking the man up and down. I've told Detective Clark that we here at Penny Savers will do anything we can to aid him in his investigation. I'll certainly do my best. Am I right in saying, Detective, you would like to have a few words with Matthew? Yes, if, uh, if it's not much trouble. None at all. Excellent. Now, would you like to go somewhere more private, Detective? Uh, no, here's fine. The manager looks quite surprised and her smile becomes even more forced. She looks around to make sure there are no customers. It, it, it won't take long. Not a problem. I'll be in my office if you need me. She lingers for a couple of seconds longer than necessary before marching off. Church smiles at Clark. She's a lovely person, really. She can just be a bit overzealous, is all. Well, with uh, all due respect, Matthew, we're not here to talk about your boss. Clark pulls out a photograph of Tracy Roth from his file. Do you recognize this woman? Uh, th that's that's Trace Tracy Roth. I, I, I've seen her on the news, if, if that's what you mean. Um, that's not really what I mean, Matthew. Church looks at Clark, confused, as Clark pulls stills from the CCTV footage from his file and hands them to the shop worker. These were pulled from CCTV in the ver this very store the day Tracy Roth was abducted. Church looks nervous as he looks through the pictures. You were watching her, Matthew. Why? Matthew doesn't answer right away. He looks through the photographs once more before smiling back up at Clark. This is all just a simple misunderstanding. In what way? I, I, I people watch, you see. I'm a writer. Uh, sometimes gives me inspiration. I suppose I get carried away sometimes, though. So you admittedly stalk people? No, 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 no. It's not like that. What is it like? Matthew struggles to find something to say. Clark goes back into his file and pulls out one last photograph. It shows Church on the phone as Tracy and Emma, as Tracy and Emma leave the shop. Clark hands it over to Church. Who are we on the phone to, Matthew? 
Church is now beginning to sweat. Uh, y'all probably, uh, my mom or something. Your mom? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, Matthew, I don't quite believe you. Church stands rooted to the spot, petrified. Matthew Church, you are... Before Clark can finish, his phone rings. He continues to stare with disdain at Church before reaching into his pocket. He turns away from his suspect and answers. Go for Clark. Interior captain's <laughs> office, noon. Iona sits at her desk. Clark, I'm going to need you to come back in. We got a match on the DNA pulled from underneath Tracy's fingernails. Joe is bringing him in now. Intercut between Clark and the captain. Captain, I was actually just about to bring this guy in. I, I really think... Clark, right now this has to take priority. But Captain, I, I don't mean to be rude, but you saw the video. Clark, my back's to the wall here. I know I said to chase it up, but now we've just got some hard evidence. Please just come back in without causing a scene. Clark turns to address Church while putting his hands to the receiver on his phone. I'll be back in touch. Clark walks away from Church, leaving him to sweat. He puts the phone back to his ear. Who was the match? Cut to interior upmarket apartment building <laughs> noon. Kramer wraps his knuckles in the door of an apartment. He stands next to five uniformed police officers. Paul Ellis, open up! There is no answer from the other side of the door. Ellis, open the fucking door. There's nowhere to go. There is still no answer. Kramer motions to one of his men. The officers step forward, guns withdrawn. Kramer takes a step back. The officers kick the door down and enter the apartment. It is a mess. Dirty clothes lying all around. No one appears to be there, but the window to the balcony remains open. Kramer follows the officers inside and looks around. The, off the officers still stand with their weapons drawn and ready to fire. Kramer stands in the middle of the room, taking in his surroundings. Suddenly he turns his head, hearing the door of the next apartment along burst open, followed by the sound of footsteps running down the corridor. No, no, no! Kramer runs back out the corridor and spots Ellis sprinting for the stairs. He takes out his gun and fires two shots, but neither hits their target. Ellis races down the stairs. Kramer puts his gun back in his jacket. Shit, come on! Kramer chases after Ellis, who continues to frantically descend down the staircase. Kramer manages to fire a few shots at him as he gives chase. There's officers outside, Ellis. There's nowhere to run. Hearing this, Ellis stops at one of the lower floor corridors. He turns and runs down the hallway. Kramer tries to line up a shot, but before he can, Ellis has already turned into the staircase at the other side of the corridor. Fuck! Kramer gives chase again. However, Ellis is waiting for him and fires a shot at his old partner from halfway up the flight of stairs. It misses Kramer by quite a distance. The chase resumes before Ellis turns into a corridor again. This time the officers who accompany Kramer are at the other side. Ellis stands in the middle of the corridor, trapped. Kramer reaches the top of the stairs and stands, gun pointed at Ellis. Stand down, Ellis! I don't want to shoot you! Ellis stands, panting, looking around desperately. Without warning, he sprints at an apartment door at the side of the corridor, breaking it down. A woman screams from inside the apartment. Kramer and the officers rush to the door of the apartment. Ellis stands in the centre, holding a gun up to the head of a red-headed woman in her 20s. 
Kramer stops in the doorway and holds his hand up, indicating to his men not to move any closer. It's over, Boa. Put down the shooter. <laughs> I'm not going to jail. Pull that trigger, you'll be far away for much longer. And you'll have more blood on your hands. How many lives will you fail to save before? You can't take it anymore, Joe. How many? The car drains from Kramer's face. Put your weapons down. Oh. Uh, Put your weapons down? Is that me? Yeah. Yeah, that's Alice, yeah. Put your weapons down. The two stand off before Kramer slowly lowers his weapon and places it on the ground. The officers behind him follow suit soon after. Ellis walks to the balcony, still holding the girl at gunpoint. Suddenly, he throws the girl to the ground and climbs over the balcony onto the neighbouring apartment. Instead of following him, Kramer picks up his gun, runs back up the corridor. He passes by two apartments before breaking down the door of the third one along. He runs in and heads to the balcony. He turns and points his pistol at Ellis, who stands straddling the gap between the balcony previous and the one accompanied by Kramer. Alarmed by Kramer's sudden arrival, he slips. He manages to hold onto the bottom of the balcony with one hand. The drop is large with nothing but pavement below. However, it probably wouldn't kill him. Throw the gun down, Ellis, and I'll help you up. Ellis is unable to pull himself up. He panics, considering all his options. He looks down at the pavement as though trying to judge the drop. Ellis, put down the gun. Ellis looks at Kramer in the eye. The officers are still tending to the traumatised redhead. <laughs> a gun is fired. The police officers rush to their feet and run to the balcony. Kramer stands, gun extended and pointing down. Ellis lies in a pool of blood on the ground below. Silly fucker. Kramer turns to address the officers. Call it in. Kramer turns and steps back inside the apartment. Ellis lies face up on the ground, bullet in his forehead, and eyes wide with terror. Interior station afternoon. The station is like a hive. People are frantically wandering around the reception area, either hastily trying to do their jobs or looking for gossip on the Tracy Roth case. The press are outside in droves, hoping to get a statement. Several men are bringing in a considerable amount of small white boxes into the station. Iona stands with Clark, waiting for Kramer to finish talking to one of the officers. The police captain gives a nervous glance at the large number of journalists pitched outside the station. Kramer joins his former and current partner. What the hell happened? He tried to shoot me. He forced my hand. You're telling me there is no way you could have brought him in alive? No. I'm telling you, I chose to just shoot the sky friggin' head. Give me a break, Iona. A cold silence falls between the two of them momentarily. What's in the boxes? Methadone. Looks like on top of our being a kidnapping sociopath, old man Ellis has set himself up a pretty profitable business on the side. Was there any evidence that Tracy was being held in the apartment? No, but we'll find it. I'll be in my office. The press will want a statement on what's happened as best I get prepared. Iona gives the horde of press and our petrified look before walking off, leaving Kramer and Clark alone. Joe, there, there must be some sign she was there. Restraints? 
Jackals. Can't close the investigation until we know for sure he's our man. His DNA was on the victim. Under our fighting fingernails. You sure you're not just rushing into this? Clark. Until we find where she was held, we may need to assume he had an accomplice. We can't close this case yet, Joe. Teamer stares at Clark incredulously. <sighs> this is still about that boy from the store, isn't it? Clark looks down at the floor before nodding his head. Clark, please listen to me. If you're ever going to get anywhere in this line of work, you need to learn to say the words, Yes, Joseph, I was wrong. Joseph? I looked him dead in the eye. I know he's hiding something. This is a time to celebrate. We've just solved the most widely publicized case this city has ever seen. Do you have any idea what this will do for your career? We've got our men. Please, just go home. Relax. Come back tomorrow, and we can move on. No, Joe, I'm not backing down on I know this guy knows something. I need to find out what. Even if he was just working with Ellis, we should still look into it. Kramer flashes Clark a condescending smile. You really are an arrogant little prick, aren't you? At that moment, Roth and Emma walk through the foyer. Roth stares Kramer down as he walks by. Emma avoids eye contact with anyone. The father and daughter both hastily exit the building together. Mm. Must have paid her father's bail. Looking a bit rough today, isn't she? Kramer's tone is very matter-of-fact. He stares at Clark, knowingly. Clark doesn't say a word, but his expression is one of dark comprehension. <laughs> now, just imagine how quickly your career would sink if I informed the captain you were getting cosy with a witness instead of doing your job. It wasn't like that. Not how it looked to me. Any past illusion of friendship between the two men is now broken. I can be your best friend or your worst fucking enemy, Clark. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> Clark Kramer is making his authority and influence well known. However, Clark does not cower, instead standing his ground. I'm leaving now because I've just been shot at <laughs> and I'm a bit tired and a tad pissed off. By the time I come in tomorrow, I expect you to have dropped this nonsense. Kramer turns away from Clark and walks straight towards the door. Clark stands rooted to the spot, trying to think of his next move. He turns and walks down the corridor to his office. Interior, Clark and Kramer's office late afternoon. Clark storms back into his office and plants himself down in his chair. He roughly rubs his hands through his hair, frustration etched on his face. Putting his head in his hands, he plants his elbows hard on his desk, trying to calm himself down. Suddenly, he grabs the case file from his side and tosses it across the room, letting out a pathetic wail as he does so. <laughs> Sighing, he eventually looks up at a picture of Tracy Drop's dead corpse staring at him from the floor. He focuses on the photograph. Kramer may have told him to leave it, but Clark cannot allow anyone involved in Tracy Drop's death to go unpunished, despite the fact that Ellis had already been caught. Picking himself up from his desk, he leaves the office with purpose. Interior captain's office late afternoon. Without no without knocking. Without knocking. Without knocking, Clark enters Captain Ramsey's office. Iona sits at her desk, face down and completing paperwork. Captain, please don't close this investigation. Why? 
I've just been looking into Paul Ellis. He has no other no other properties registered in his name. And if he wasn't keeping Tracy Roth in his apartment, then he must have an accomplice. Clark, I don't know. The press are on my back. The DA is on my back. We have a guy we don't even need to put on trial. Just one day, please. Iona pauses and looks up at Clark, clearly exasperated. No. She resumes her paperwork. Clark does not leave. After a period of trying to ignore him, the captain looks up once again at the inexperienced detective. Are you deaf, Clark? No, Captain. I'm just sure I'm right. Iona laughs and throws her pen down on her desk. She begins to rub her temple with her fingers. Clark. Paul Ellis's skin was found under Tracy Roth's nails. He tried to run when we tried to bring him in. He's attempted to shoot Detective Kramer. He's been trying to inject himself into this investigation for the last 10 years. He has a history of violence towards women, a history which got him fired from this very department. Are you just choosing to ignore all of that? I'm not saying he's not guilty. I just don't think he did it all on his own. I don't know what's up at Clark, considering him for a moment. I think Joe's wrong. I think there's more here that's got to play out. Iona sighs and leans back in her chair. Are you sure? Yes, Captain. How sure? 100%. Clark, I swear to God. One day, you have one day, but it better not be a waste of my time. Thank you, Captain. You're not going to regret it. (laughs) Clark walks out of the office, shutting the door behind him. He walks back up the corridor, and we see a fire and aggressiveness in his eyes that we haven't seen from him before. Exterior store late afternoon. Matthew <clears throat> Church walks out of the penny savers building at the end of his shift, a wide smile plastered on his face. He zips up his jacket and rubs his hands together, trying to generate some heat. He walks along the car park and takes a left up an isolated street before taking a shortcut down an alleyway. You ready to be honest with me yet, Matthew? Clark stands at the entrance to the alley. Clearly having followed Church after he left the shop. Church stops in his tracks, having made it halfway down the alley, looking back fearfully at Clark. Clark walks slowly towards Church. Who was on the other end of that call, Matthew? Church Church looks behind him, thinking about running. When he turns back, Clark is holding his gun up to his head. Don't even think about it. Church looks worried for a second before he begins to laugh. <laughs> you, you wouldn't shoot me. They'll know it was you. They'll know you're here. No one knows I'm here. He cocks the gun. This isn't even mine. Church's pale face turns even whiter. Clark paces towards him until the gun is touching Church's Who? forehead. Who was on the other end of the call, Matthew? Please, don't, don't, don't do this. Clark hits Church in the head with the side of the gun. Yowie! Church falls to the ground and Clark Ow. leans down next to him. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, let's take a sec. I don't want to hurt you. Suddenly Church goes to lunge at Clark, but Clark holds the gun against the shop worker's head, forcing Church to cower back against the wall. I I didn't want to hurt anyone. What did you want? Matthew begins to shiver before a twisted smile forms in his face. She looked so pretty. He said he'd take her too, 
but he lied. Clark recoils slightly, looking disgusted. He promised me, but he let he but he let me play with the mother. Better than nothing, I suppose. Clark hoops church across the face, making the paedophile fall weakly to the floor, whimpering. Clark looks down at the man with disdain. Please, I'll I'll tell you his name. I already know his name. We got him early this morning. And he told you I did it? No, he didn't get the chance. Ellis fell before he could tell us anything. Church looks confused. He left him. He lifts himself up into a more upright position. Ellis, who's Ellis? Don't play dumb. Matthew just stares at Clark, dumbfounded. Paul Ellis, your partner. Matthew struggles before bursting into an uncontrollable laughter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never heard that name. Matthew. <laughs> Sorry. Matthew continues to laugh, beginning to roll around on the floor. Clark goes frustrated and grabs Church by his shirt and pulls him to his feet. Don't lie to me. Detective, I'm not lying. I've never heard that name before in my life. Clark throws Church to the ground. Church chuckles. As Clark grabs the back of his head, he turns away from Church. Do you have another name? Maybe. Clark snaps, running at Church. He kicks him in the gut. He drags Church to his knees and punches him hard in the side of the head. Clark gets out his gun and points it at Church. What's the name? I, I, I can't. He'll, he'll kill me. I'll kill you. Oh, please listen to me. Clark unlocks the safety pin of the gun. Church begins to grovel. Oh, no, no. Two. Dude, his name's Kramer. You, 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 you don't sniff Kramer. Clark looks stunned. He begins to pace back and forth. You, you sure? Church nods. Joseph Kramer. He, he's a, a, a detective too. Clark sits down with his back to church. He is in shock. The air has been sucked out of him. Clark continues to sit there as Church scurries out of the alley. Fade to black. Interior, Roth household evening. It was Kramer. Clark stands talking to Vincent Roth. Roth stands in the same spot he was in when the news about Trafie's death was told to him. Clark takes up the spot Kramer once occupied. Emma sits on the couch. You sure? One hundred percent. A silence falls between the two. Suddenly, Roth lunges at Clark and pins him against the wall, grabbing him by the throat. Emma <laughs> rushes to her feet. <laughs> Emma rushes to her feet, trying to pry her father off. You're lying, you piece of shit. <coughs> I'm not. <coughs> it was Alice. They found the bastard skin under her fingernail. Please. Roth drops Clark down. He begins to pace around the room again like a caged animal. Roth is filled by such a powerful sense of rage that he cannot think logically. Emma rushes to Clark, making sure the detective is okay. That's right. Help your boyfriend. Make sure he's all right. What the fuck are you talking about? 
I saw you two last night leaving the house, getting in his car. He was keeping me company listening to me, which is more than you've done. You watch your mouth, young lady. Or what? You'll beat me like you did to that landlord? Roth looks taking aback. Why would you... He looks at his daughter sympathetically. I'm sorry. He turns his attention to Clark again, this time more calm and composed. I hate Joseph Kramer, but he's our friend. He wouldn't harm Tracy. He's been working on this case for ten years. Clark gets back to his feet, massaging his throat. <clears throat> the only case he never solved. Roth stands and ponders this for a moment before beginning to pace the room again. But what about this Ellis guy? There was no evidence that your mother was ever in his apartment. We were told they had DNA evidence. Mr. Rothers, there are a lot of loose threads. No shit. But he was named by a suspect I questioned. A suspect that I believe was working with Kramer the whole time. Have you told your boss? Iona and Kramer are close. She, she won't want to believe it. And what do you want from me? Sir, you wanted a chance to get justice for Crit Chasey. This is what I'm offering. We go and confront him. I'll record the whole thing. Why do you need me? I can't go alone, and there's no one else I'd trust. He won't admit anything. He won't be able to help himself. Roth looks Clark dead in the eye. <laughs> I will kill him. No, you won't. Excuse me? You're a good man, Mr. Roth. You won't kill him. It's not in your nature. Roth sighs and looks down at the floor. He looks up at Clark, tears forming in his eyes and nods. Emma walks over to her father and hugs tight onto his arm. Exterior, Roth household, evening. Clark's police car drives away. Emma watches from the front door as it leaves, looking tearful and worried. Lost clear in her grieving eyes. Cut to... <laughs> Interior, cop car, evening. Roth stares out the window, lost in thought. I should have known it was him. There's no way anyone could have known. Like hell there wasn't. Silence falls between the two. Roth, Roth pulls a hat flask from his jacket pocket and begins to drink. Clark, trying to keep his eyes on the road, throws him a concerned half-glance. It's a glance that Vincent Roth does not miss. Got something to say? Mr. Roth, I... Spit it out, kid. Oh, only that I need you to watch my back in here. And to be able to do that, I don't want you, you know... Roth stares at Clark before sighing. I'm sorry. You're right, you're right. He puts the hip flask back into his jacket. A silence falls between them once again. Where are we going to find this bastard anyway? To be honest, I don't know, Mr. Roth. But I think you do. Cut to interior brown flats evening. Clark knocks on the door of Roy Brady's flat. The landlord answers and Clark holds up his police ID. Joseph Kramer's address, now. Interior, Kramer's apartment, evening. Roth breaks down the front door of Kramer's apartment with his shoulder. Roth and Clark slowly and cautiously enter the apartment. Clark leads the way, carrying a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other. The silence is terrifying. Only broken by the sound of creaking floorboards. The men make their way down the corridor, watching their step as they go. Turning left, they <laughs> check both the bathroom and the bedroom. Both contain nothing that would seem out of place. 
Kramer's guitar lies out of its case on top of his bed. Clark motions towards Vincent to follow him to the other end of the corridor. There is a door at either side, one to the left and one to the right. They reach the end of the hallway. Roth opens the door at the left and they both enter. The room is decorated with a pale pink wallpaper which has faded over the years. The carpet is thick in a similar colour. A bed lies freshly made at the other side of the room, a wooden desk filling the other side. There are shackles attached to the wall next to the bed, and there are bloodstains in various areas of the carpet. <coughs> Roth makes his way over to the bed and pulls back the covers. Bloodstains cover the sheets underneath. He recoils, holding back the tears. Tracy. <laughs> Clark makes his way over to the desk. There are a few pens along with stacks of paper. The pages are filled with poetry and short stories. Some of the paper is stained red by droplets of now crusted blood. She was writing. Don't mark for observation, Eric. Clark quickly turns around as the room over as the room's overhanging light switches on, illuminating the blood around the room. Kramer stands pointing his gun at Roth. Roth, a fire in his eyes, reluctantly stands with his hands above his head. Clark has his gun aimed at Kramer's head. Put that gun down, Eric, or I will shoot him. I think I'm fine with the where it is, thank you. Kramer points the gun downwards and shoots Roth in the kneecap, which induces a cry of pain from the mechanic who falls down. Ah! He sits propped up by the bed. Kramer keeps his gun pointed at Roth's head. Please understand that you are alone, son. Put the gun down. Clark stares at Kramer with resentment as he places the gun down on the desk. Church sold me out, didn't he? Clark nods. Little fucker. Should have got rid of him years ago. Kramer stares at Clark blankly. Clark begins to sweat, returning his gaze. Keeping his gun pointed at Clark, Kramer approaches Roth, who is clutching his open wound desperately. Joe, put the gun down. Put the gun down, we can talk this through. <laughs> Calm yourself, Eric. I'm not going to kill you. At least I don't want to. He kicks Roth in his wound, causing the... Yeah, he kicks Roth in his wound, causing the mechanic to wail out in pain. <laughs> Come on, Vincent. I thought you were supposed to be tough. Kramer kicks him again. As Roth howls, Kramer begins to laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolf in London. <laughs> Clark tries to grab his gun from the table, but Kramer aims his pistol back at the young detective. Try that again, Eric. I'll have to put a fucking bullet in your head. <laughs> Kramer takes a step back, as though to get a better view of the room. Mink. <laughs> was always her favourite colour. <laughs> Kramer looks pensive for a moment. What'd you do with Joe? Kramer looks at Clark, almost confused by the question. She deserved better than him. He looks at Roth with disdain. She would have loved me if it wasn't for him. He turns back to Clark. Speaking in a very matter-of-fact tone. We was inseparable, you know, at a time. When I first moved here, she was the only friend I had. 
our mothers used to joke that we'd be married someday. Seymour laughs and smiles fondly. <laughs> I knew that I loved her from the moment I laid eyes on her. But she never returned the sentiment. He strolls over to Roth, aiming the gun at the big man's head. She always was more interested in brawn over brains. For some reason, she found herself attracted to men far beneath her intellectual level. I never really understood it. I always guessed that it had to make her feel superior, dominant. So when you came along, I knew she'd fall for you. I always pitied her for her poor taste. I always pitied you for being a pathetic piece of shit. Shamer unlocks the gun safety and looks set to pull the trigger on Roth. Seeing this, Clark attempts to divert the attention to himself. So that's why you took her? Because you were jealous? Kramer looks at Clark, slightly confused. Jealousy? No. I didn't want to do this selfishly. She wanted that. She came to me. Roth looks up at Kramer in dis- disbelief. I was saving her. Roth lunges at Kramer's legs, trying to pull him down to the ground. Kramer takes a step back, avoiding Roth, and kicks him in the head, leaving the mechanic dazed. It's true, Vincent. It's true. Kramer turns back towards Clark. Flashback. They were fighting often. Vincent here couldn't hold down a job. And Tracy was finding it difficult to pay the bills on her salary alone. So one night, after a particularly venomous argument, Tracy comes here, crying. As Kramer narrates, we see Vincent and Tracy in the middle of a heated argument as a young Emma watches on in her pyjamas, her face tear-stained. Tracy slaps Vincent hard in the face before storming out of the house. Tracy chaps in the door of Kramer's apartment, crying. She breaks down as he, as he opens the door and embraces her old friend. Kramer looks confused, but also hugs her in return. Kramer kneels now next to Roth. She wasn't happy, Vincent. I promised myself that night I couldn't allow her to subject herself to her life with you any longer. So you took her? So I took you. I think I deserved her too. After everything I've done for this city. You promised Church you'd give him Emma. Sick son of a bitch. Shut up. I never intended on giving him Emma. I wouldn't do that to a child. Even yours. Oh, I forgot how moral you were. I tried to do what was best for Tracy. I thought, given enough time, she would... Love you? Exactly. Kramer's expression turns darker. But she was a fool. She couldn't see that everything she ever wanted was right here in front of her. But I'd come too far. So I decided if I couldn't save her, if I couldn't save her, I could at least use her for my pleasure. Are you sick freak? Roth tries to attack Kramer again, but this time Kramer's ready and shoots him once more in the leg, causing Roth to cry out once again in pain. <laughs> Stop crying, Vincent. Be a man for once. Roth tries to prop himself up against the side of the bed once again. You are sick. Show your mouth, Vincent. Why'd you kill her? I didn't. Flashback. Somehow she got a hold of a knife. I tried to stop her. But she managed to push me off. Kramer struggles with a knife-wielding Tracy who manages to escape Kramer's grip by scratching his neck deeply. 
Kramer points to a deep scratch mark in his neck. And then... And then she put the knife through... Kramer tails off towards the end of the sentence, getting emotional. Flashback. Tracy Roth plunges a knife into her own stomach, wailing in pain as Kramer looks on stunned. Blood pours from his stomach as she falls to the ground. She... She killed my baby! Kramer stares into space, looking solemn. His eyes begin to tear up. Clark shows no empathy whatsoever for a psychotic mentor. And what about Ellis? Kramer shrugs. I was desperate. And he was there. Actually, I meant to say thank you, Vincent, for bringing him into this. Without you, I would have had the chance to get rid of that crusty bastard. He was always a waste of space. May he rest in peace. Kramer makes the sign of the cross. After a tense silence only broken by Roth's whines of pain, Clark speaks up. So what now, Joe? Where do you go from here? Well, that's a $50,000 question, isn't it, Eric? Where do we go from here? I can't exactly let you go because, quite frankly, I don't want to go to prison. Kramer takes a step closer to Clark. Yet, if I kill you, it's going to create an awful mess. It's a tough one, Clark. What would you suggest I do? He stares Clark in the face as his partner's eyes begin to tear up, the fear of death overcoming him. Seeing this, Kramer grins and walks back towards Roth. (laughs) She would have loved me, Vincent, if it wasn't for you. You caused all of this. Tell me why you deserve to live. I don't. Kramer looks slightly taken aback, looking back at Clark and smiling. Did I hear him right? Yes, you heard me right, you son of a bitch. Roth, his face bloodied and on the verge of passing out, looks up at Kramer, his voice raspy. Tracy deserved to live. I don't. (laughs) I failed her. I failed to protect her. I let you take her. I let you keep her. I let you rape her. I would rather die than knowing she was carrying your child. Kramer actually seems affected by Roth's comments. If you're going to kill me, just do it. Kramer stands, confused momentarily, unsure of how to proceed. Eventually, he unlocks the safety of his gun once again and aims it at Roth's head. Before you die, I want you to know that when I'm done here... Kramer smiles sadistically. I'm going to kill your child, just like your whore of a wife killed mine. Kramer pulls the trigger, yet two gunshots can be heard. Kramer stands, his face... No, yeah. Clark stands, his face red and tear-drenched, aiming his gun at Kramer. Kramer looks shocked and drops his weapon to the ground. He turns slowly and looks at Clark, smiling. He falls to his knee, blood... (laughs) rushing from the wound in his midriff and smiles proudly up at Clark. (laughs) Good job, son. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Clark puts a bullet in Kramer's skull. (laughs) (laughs) As Kramer hits the ground, blood splattering behind him, Clark stands rooted to the spot, sweat now clearly visible in his face. Coming to his senses, he rushes over to Roth and examines the wound. He places his gun in the bed and takes off his shirt, 
trying to stop the blood flow coming from Roth's chest. Keep pressure on it. Thank you. Roth looks at Clark and smiles. His mission is complete. He has found the man who caused his wife so much pain and suffering, and he's got to see him brought to real justice. Roth's smile fades, and he passes away, reunited with his wife at last. Accepting Roth's fate, Clark stops trying to save the mechanic. Taking time to compose himself, Clark stands up and takes his phone out of his trouser pocket. He walks out into the hall and presses stop in the recording software he's been using since he entered the apartment. After searching for a number, he presses the phone to his ear. Captain, I need officers in an ambulance. 88 St. Gerald Street. Urgently. I, I, can't, I can't explain right now. I'll, I'll explain when you get here. Clark's voice tails off as Leonard Cohen's singing our song boys begins to play. The music continues as the screen fades to black and we cut to a montage. Clark and Iona watch on as the bodies of Vincent Roth and Joseph Kramer are wheeled out of the apartment. Iona begins to tear up as Clark watches on, his face chalk white. The bodies are loaded onto a black coroner's van, which is surrounded by a multitude of police cars. A few members of the press have also started to gather like vultures to a carcass. Clark and Iona exit the building and the captain is immediately, eh, is immediately flanked by the growing herd of press. As Iona stands in front of the building to deal with them, Clark manages to get away and walks towards his car. Clark drives in his car at night. His eyes are distant and his cheeks are tear-stained. Iona answers the questions the press ask as professionally as she can. However, there is a deep sadness and sense of loss in her eyes. The bodies of Vincent Roth and Joseph Kramer lay on two metallic tables side by side in the morgue. Clark's car pulls up outside of the Roth household. Clark takes a moment to compose himself before getting out. He walks slowly towards the door, hesitating momentarily before knocking. Emma answers, and after seeing the truth written in Clark's eyes, she breaks down in tears and falls distraught into the detective's open arms. Lust clear and <laughs> arcane <laughs> The music fades out. Fade two. Exterior cemetery morning. Roughly two dozen mourners, including Clark, Emma, and the captain Iona Ramsey, surround a simple gravestone that reads Vincent Roth died aged fifty-five, a loving father, a devoted husband, and an honest man. A thin, bald-headed priest delivers a eulogy. Emma stands closest to the grave next to an elderly woman who is her maternal grandmother. Iona and Clark stand furthest back. The priest finishes speaking and Emma approaches her father's grave. Her eyes are bloodshot. She lays a single gladiolus flower next to the gravestone. She rejoins her grandmother and both turn to leave the cemetery, prompting a number of the congregation gathered to follow them. Iona looks up at Clark. Realising his need to be alone, Captain Iona Ramsey walks away from the young detective. Clark stares stony-eyed at the gravestone in front of him. Vincent Roth deserved to live, just like his wife. Their lives were torn apart by jealousy, envy, and obsession. I realize I'll never know what made Kramer do what he did. Maybe he was mentally sick, or perhaps he was just simply evil. Or possibly... <laughs> what if... After all the misery the famed Detective Joseph Kramer had seen, all the violence he'd witnessed, all the evil men he'd put away, he'd simply snapped. 
Was this city and everything that it was enough to turn good man bad? Was it enough to make a great man psychotic? Clark puts his hand in his jacket pocket and walks through the cemetery. If it had, and it got to him a long time ago. I didn't intend on finding out if he would get to me. The day after Vincent Ross' death, I asked Captain Ramsey to transfer me to another district. She did all she could to push it through right away. I think I reminded her of Kramer, the memory of whom made her sick to her stomach. I just hope she didn't blame herself for not seeing what Kramer truly was. I don't know if Emma made it, if Emma ever made it out of the city. I hope she did. It had already taken so much from her. She needed a fresh start, just like me. <laughs> Leaving the city behind was the best decision I ever made. I've never looked back. I can't look back. I'll never go back. Clark continues to walk through the cemetery against the backdrop of the city. Lazarus by David Bowie begins to play as the screen fades to black. The end. Woo! <laughs>